I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey guys, it's the Guru here. Thanks for tuning in again. Just want to point out, this is our 100th episode. We only started the podcast a few weeks before COVID broke. So for us to get to 100 episodes before the finals kick off, it's just been a sensational year. I've loved every minute of it. I just want to thank you guys for all your support, all the listens, all the shares. If you're listening to this one, it's the 100th episode. It's a big occasion for me. If you could share it on your Instagram stories and tag the Rugby League Guru and I can get it sharing. Let's spread the podcast around. Thanks for your support. Let's kick it off. Down the blind, Andrew Jones. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won the grand final. He's got the ball. Jared Hayes. Superstar, superhuman. Holy Bodgelay. The speed of a bullet. He hits it. He's got it. He's got the field goal. He's got the premiership. He has gone from, as I said, As I said earlier, this is our 100th episode of the Rugby League Guru podcast, and I'm lucky enough that it's fallen on one of my favourite types of podcasts to do. The fan is short for fanatic podcast. Today we've got Steve on. He is a mad Cronulla Sharks fan. His story as a Sharks fan starts all the way back in the late 90s. Tells the story that his old man said to him one night, do you want to go and watch the footy? And he didn't really have a team he was going for. They ended up at Shark Park. And that night, David Peachy, the great Cronulla Sharks fullback, scores a try. And he said from that moment, just watching the crowd erupt and the emotion around David Peachy scoring, he was a shark for life. He takes us through his entire story, you know, through the 2000s when in the early 2000s, the Cronulla Sharks, they probably should have won at least one premiership then they had a gun side for a couple of years there just always the bridesmaids though unfortunately he then takes us through you know the 2010s period the emergence of guys like Greg Bird and Paul Gallen the Bash brothers talking about those guys we then jump to the Asada scandal and the you know the impact that had on the club and the effect as a fan was absolutely massive the club was torn apart and sort of in the background, there's all these guys that are arriving at the club. You've got Andrew Fafita arriving from the Tigers, James Maloney arrives, Mick Ennis, Lukey Lewis, uh, you know, Chris Hyington, just all these really gun players. And then you've got these young guys that emerge around the 2015, 2016 time. You've got Valentine Holmes, you've got Jack Bird. All these guys, they all come together and they lead to one night in 2016 where the Cronulla Sharks end their premiership drought. We go in depth on that night and talk about you know, the experiences of the day, the fear, the emotion throughout the game and that feeling when the siren went at the end and 
you know, if the siren went and there was still another 30 seconds of watching the Melbourne Storm almost definitely score a try in Cronulla, being the desperation footy team they are, they find a way to stop them. And Steve's emotion and, you know, his memories of that game are simply incredible. I was getting goosebumps and, you know, it, it just it, the way that he talks, it took me back to being at that game. It was an unbelievable night for any Cronulla Shark fan. And in my opinion, it was an unbelievable night for any rugby league fan. Great scenes. We then jump to the team now. Obviously, a lot of guys have left after that 2016 premiership. It's the price you pay for success. There's only a couple of guys left only four years later. And we talk about the Sharks heading into the final series this year. They're a bit of a wild card team. And they're a side that I wouldn't want to play if I was one of these top five teams. Steve's a champion bloke and he loves his Cronulla Sharks. I can't wait to share this chat with you. Let's kick it off. Steve, welcome on. How are we? Thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, going good, going good, mate. I see you're part of the uh, Instagram game as well. Where can uh, people find you? So I've just made an Instagram page. Uh, it's called Steve's Take on League NRL. And um, you can also find me on Facebook as well. So I've only just started it. And it's um, it's been a bit of a grind to start, but it's been, it's, it hasn't felt like a grind. So um, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy interacting with everybody. Mate, it's tough when you start, but keep going at it. I've seen some of your videos, and I thoroughly enjoy them. One that I watched the other day that you did, you talked about um, Stuart McGill. Obviously, McGill the gorilla, one of the all-time greats cricketers, but unfortunately, he just came along the yeah. same time as Shane Warne. So it's, you know, as soon as Shane Warne was injured, suspended, hung over, whatever, Stuart McGill had come in and absolutely put on a show. <laughs> Quite possibly the second-best spin bowler in the world, but never got any games. It's a bit like, as you described in one of your videos, Andrew Johns, and the three guys that you nominated as Stuart McGill's were Scotty Prince, Brett Kamali, and uh, Craig Gower. Just They just yeah. came along at the wrong time, didn't they? Absolutely, mate. All, I think all three of them in a different era. So obviously, Kamali and Gower were behind Joey, and Scotty Prince was behind JT. I think in another era, they could have like been considered as, you know, all-time, all-time great players, but it's just... It's just a shame they had champions in front of them. Mate, just terrible timing with those blokes. Obviously, one of them, Brett Kamali, one of the all-time great Sharks. When I think about the Sharks, often I think about Brett Kamali. Obviously, you're a huge Sharks fan yourself, mate. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I've been, I've been an absolute diehard Sharks fan since the back end of 1999, I'd say. But... um. It all started about a year prior to that in 1998, which we'll touch on. Take me back to that first memory. So my first memory of anything Sharks-related was randomly out of the blue. So I was an eight-year-old eight-year-old kid, and at that point in time, you're very highly influenced. So I was chopping and changing a bit on which team I should be supporting, and I, like, the Panthers were there, and I'd mates with Balmain Tigers fans, and I'd South Sydney fans, like my mum, my dad, and my brother are all Rabbitohs fans, and then just randomly one night out of the blue, I just remember dad saying, do you want to go to the football? And I said, no, that sounds, yeah, obviously that sounds good. So off we went to Shark Park and it was the Sharks versus the Panthers at Shark Park, obviously, 1998. And obviously at that point in time, it was absolutely freezing in the Shire. It always is, but it was all good. And I just, my first memory, I remember David Peachy crossing for a try. And I just remember the Sharks fans just, absolutely going bananas over the peach and just from that that's my first memory of the sharks and i remember after the game i remember touch uh, meeting a bloke named blaine stanley 
and he was uh, he was the second grade half at the time, so he, he couldn't get a start behind Adam Dykes and Mitch Healy. Um, I remember he, he was outside the Sharks League Club and he spoke to me for about five minutes, and then from then on, I just had a soft spot for him from then on in. Mate, it's always, you know, Canterbury sort of, um, they regard themselves as the family club, but for me, Cronulla, I don't think there's a club with a better community that just, they have each other's back constantly. It's all very positive. I love the way the Sharks go about, you know, their team within their community. It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I just, I, I think it's just because the Shire, obviously it's a big place, but it's it's small in the sense of Sydney. Like it's, it's very, it's more of a tight-knit community, I think. And just, I guess everybody around there is absolutely Sharks mad. So, yeah, it's a really good group group of people. It's just like a big country town in the middle of the city, isn't it? Yeah, I completely agree. So I live in the Hunter Valley right now, and it actually it actually reminds me of the Hunter Valley sometimes, like where, where I'm living at the moment. So, yeah, it's very tight-knit, and um, I've met a lot of good people along the way down there. So, yeah. Mate, you mentioned the bloke that, you know, he was the reason that convinced you to go for the Sharks, David Peachy. Just such an incredible talent. I mean, if that first try convinced you to um, go for the Sharks, he, he must have reconvinced you another fucking hundred times over the next few years. He was incredible, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. So when, when I so in nineteen ninety eight, after that game, I was still partly a South Sydney fan just because of my dad and my brother and my mum. But when it really tipped over the line for me was obviously in nineteen ninety nine. The Bunnies were getting, they were getting kicked out of the comp. I remember as a kid, I used to read the sports articles in the papers and there was a little article in there. This is what really tipped me over the edge. And it said that the Sharks were willing to merge with the Rabbitohs just to keep them afloat and just keep the name happening and keep the supporters going and whatnot. So they were really wanting to help the Bunnies out. And at that point in time, I was like, no, that's it. I'm a a Sharks fan. And then remember in, Late 1999, I really hopped on board. I was fully fledged Cronulla fan, and the first, the one of the first memories of being an actual Sharks fan was losing that prelim final of the Dragons in in, in 1999 when Mundine just tore us up. That was just woeful, mate. Mundine and Blacklock dancing <laughs> around, backflipping. They were just on another level that day, weren't uh, they? It just every time they um, every time they bring up those those clips I still remember as a nine year old just being absolutely pained just by seeing Chock doing the flips and he scored three tries in the second half and it was he just cut us up that day mate that Sharks team from about 99 to about 03 or 04 you know they were a team that could have won a premiership they never went on with it have you kept track of how many prelim finals they got to yeah so they, they made the prelim in 99 obviously and then in 2001 Made made the prelim again. I was actually at the game when they lost to Newcastle, eighteen ten. They lost. I was there, and um, that was the year that Preston Campbell was just absolutely destroying people. That was he his Daly M winning season, wasn't it? Yeah, two thousand and one. And I just remember uh, the weekend prior when we lost to the Knights, we played the Bulldogs, and we won fifty two to ten. And at that point in time, it's unheard of in the semifinals for a team to score fifty points. Yeah, and I remember as a, I remember as a kid, I was like, "This is this is it! Like this is this is the year." And then we, my old man took me to the game, at the SFS against the Knights, and I just remember again, just being absolutely shattered, losing that game. And then the following year in 02, we had a good season, 
and we finished fifth. In, I think it was fifth in the regular season. We ended up meeting the Warriors in the um, prelim final that day, and I can still remember the bloke that scored the winning try for him. John Carlaw scored the winning try. Stacey Jones put in that little grubber kick. It was 10-all with about six to go, and he scored under the post. So I just just crushing me year after year. Mate, I had um, I had Clinton Torpy on a few months ago, and he was talking about that game, and he just said that it was just, the crowd and everything was just unbelievable. The Warriors CEO brought, I think it was ten thousand tickets for New Zealand fans, and they, like they really gave it to the Sharks that day. It was a crazy day, mate. Obviously, some of the guys in that team, some absolute stars. Tell me about. He went on to be a dual international, Matty Rogers. Mate, he was um he, he was one of the reasons why I first started going for the, the Sharks. I just thought he just had this uncanny ability just to just to get past an opponent. He could tackle, he could do everything, he could kick a goal, it was just everything that a young bloke aspired to be. So um he was part of the reason why I started going with the Sharks along with the beach. He was just sensational. What about up front in the engine room, Big Marty Lang? I used to love when he used to take it up and the head would be wobbling, everything would be moving and going 100 miles an hour. Tell me about Marty. So I've actually got a little bit of a story about Marty. Um, so my dad, he went out into Sydney one night and when I became a fully-fledged Marty Lang fan, he, he met Marty out and about one night and I've still got the coaster and it says, to Stephen, best wishes in the future, Martin Lang. And I just thought, how good is this? And then from then, I was the biggest Marty fan. I, some of my greatest memories of the Sharks is seeing Marty return return the ball from the kickoff just with that head going. He was um he was a machine. Tell me, mate, there's another guy you mentioned to me before we were talking about that, you know, it's a name that if you wouldn't have said it, I don't think I ever would have heard it ever again. I remember him now that you mention it. Uh, little whip it out there on the wing for Cronulla. Who am I talking about? Alan. Um, so I remember, I remember around 98, 99, going to the Sharks games and he was just, he was so small. He was like, he, he kind of reminds me of Brett Hodgson a little bit. He was about 70 kilos ring and wet. Jeez, he could move. And um, I just remember play, the the song, D, the Whip It by Devo. He used to play whenever he'd, um, whenever he'd score. And that's a really fond memory that I have of Shark Park. Tell me, mate, it's around this time that we see two guys make their debut and sort of come onto the scene. They'd later become known as the Bash Brothers, two complete and utter lunatics especially the first one we'll talk about, Greg Bird. I remember watching him. I think it was against South Sydney. He put the knee into someone's head. He was just yeah. on another level birdie, but God, he could play. That was when he yeah, he got an eight-week suspension, I remember something. He needed Shane Martini. Played for the played for the Rabbitohs, I yep. think it was. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for those, the lunatics. Like Birdie genuinely wanted to rip people's heads off. Like He, he wasn't... He wasn't that guy that just said it to come across as a tough guy. Genuinely wanted to rip your head off. And he, around that 2003 to 2008 era, he was just my all-time favorite shark. I just I just loved him at that point, Birdie. He was just, um, and I remember around 2006, 2008, I remember him playing State of Origin, winning a few man the match awards there. And I remember in 2008, we were a red-hot chance to win the comp again. And then... Um, yeah, Birdie's contract got torn up. It still shatters me to this to this day. Mate, you talk about him in State of Origin. Like, in my opinion, I think he's the most underrated State of Origin player ever, I think. Wally Lewis got six man of the matches. He played 30 games at 5'8". Greg Bird, I believe he had four man of the matches. They were all when he played 5'8", and he only played about five games there. He was inc- He just went to another another level when he was playing State of Origin. 
I remember, I remember vividly like around around that time, two thousand six, two thousand eight. Obviously, he was a back rower, but he could he could fill in at six for us. And I just remember him going to State of Origin, and he's he's just one of those players that is just absolutely made for that arena. Um, and just nothing faced him. He just he just put the six on and he just led that team to victory like like it was nothing. Um, he was just born and bred for State of Origin that bloke. Mate, the other Bash brother, unfortunately, Greg Bird, he wouldn't stay at the Sharks for his whole career. The other one, he would go on to arguably be your greatest Shark ever. Tell me about Paul Gallon. You just said that. I actually got uh, tingles. And <laughs> Gal, Gal is my oh, Gal is my hero, mate. He's, he's undoubtedly the greatest Shark of all time. And this is pretty controversial, but I really think like if he didn't have a lot of indiscretions in his career and he wasn't a part of the Sada scandal in 2014, which we'll touch on obviously as well. And if he was in that Queensland side, right. I think there's a chance that he gets talked about as a potential immortal. Right. But I just think he's, his personality just divides so many opinions that he just never get like, he doesn't get the credit he deserves because of that reason. And he plays above his weight. Like the bloke's about five ten and is one of the greatest workhorses in rugby league history, I think. I can't join you on the uh, immortal argument, but I, I definitely agree he's extremely underrated. The, the thing about Paul Gallen that I love is that rugby league, it needs villains, and Paul Gallen yeah. was happy to play the villain, and he owned that. Um, I mean, that Queensland team, you know, like it didn't matter whether you were Paul Gallen, Artie Beetson, it didn't matter who was captaining that side. They, they you know, they, no. they simply couldn't compete with him. And Paul Gallen... No. He just put his foot down and went 100% every time, didn't he? Yeah, I completely agree, mate. I think um, I think in that New South Wales team, I think that Gal and Mitchell Pearce were kind of made sort of the scapegoats. Yep. And I've always been a bit of a Pearcey fan. I, I think he's – I think not the kind words directed at him are just completely unfair as well. So they were just easily in the firing line, you know. you got your captain and your playmaker and – I don't think I don't even think Joey could have beat that side to be honest with you. And I, I think Joey's the greatest player of all time. But I, I still don't think he could carry that team to a win. Mate, you talked about Paul Gallen. How there's a number of things in his career that affect the way he's probably going to be remembered. One of them was the Asada sc- scandal. Now, I imagine as a Sharks fan, that must have been extremely difficult. Do you remember where you were or what the emotions were around when you first heard about it breaking? Yeah, because I, I remember it was it was before the season started and we had a game, I think it was round one against the Titans. And uh, we ended up winning that game. I think it was like 12-10 or something. But growing up and the Sharks being, I guess, my main interest, um, people just associate you with the Sharks, right? So obviously growing up in school and then after school, I think them going through that Asada scandal, it kind of people label you and they're quick they're quick to label you as well and they're like oh you support a team of drug cheats so it was really tough at the time because because people are quick to they're quick to judge so um i just remember being absolutely shattered because not only that there was like um they were struggling in regards to financial situations and then there's always been talks of relocating them and i just i just can't stand the thought of not supporting the sharks from cronulla yeah. So that's really rough for me. Mate, when it did break and, you know, it obviously, it had a huge effect on Paul Gallen and some other players, but the biggest one for me was that Shane Flanagan wasn't allowed inside the building, essentially. That was massive, wasn't it? Absolutely, mate. So 
I can I can remember when he got when he got punted, and then we had James Shepherd was was the assistant coach while and Peter Sharp. Yeah. And you could and you could just see the the players just they just couldn't get past all those distractions in 2014. And we had a pretty good squad there too. So we had Paul Gallen, we had Luke Lewis, we had Todd Carney, uh, Andrew Fafita, Chris Hollington. You know, we, we had some um, some really good players, but that alongside being a completely injury-ravaged team that year, we went on to win five games in the entire season. We got the spoon that year. And it was just tough week after week knowing that I mean, I knew what I was in for each, like each game. They were just, they, there was just no effort there. It was just really hard for him. You could just see it. You mentioned there, um, Todd Carney, of course. He came from the Roosters. He had that incredible season. He landed at Cronulla, and you know there was little flashes of what he could do. But as you said, the injuries and everything stacked on top of it. It just made life hard for TC. Do you remember the night that the photo came out? I was absolutely shattered again because. I um I'm actually a big Todd Carney fan too, so I haven't had the best of luck in regards to my players um staying at the club. Uh, I remember I remember that photo coming out, and I thought that Todd Carney was going to be the man that could potentially lead us to a premiership, just because I thought he's he, I thought he was just a fantastic half, and he was exactly what we needed that bit of flair. And um I remember when that came out, I just thought uh, I thought you know there goes there goes another chance at a premiership, and it was just looking very very grim at that point in time. As we've just spoke about, you had the Todd Carney incident, you had the Asada business. Cronulla was just an absolute circus, but just in the background, you know, in hindsight, we can look back and we see Luke Lewis arrive from Penrith. We see Andrew Fafita arrive from the Tigers. Ennis comes from Canterbury. Townsend returns from New Zealand. Maloney arrives from the Roosters. Hyington from Balmain. And Benny Barber, he arrives from Canterbury. And it's just slowly building towards that one night in 2016. Now, yeah. at the start of that season, did it feel different for you? So, so 20, that 2015 was when the, the core group of players were all there, except for Maloney and Townsend. Because in 2015, our halves pairing was uh, Jack Bird and Jeff Robson. So we had, so, and, and then Valentine Holmes is obviously coming through as well. And at that point in time, there was that good mix of young and the old heads. And I remember we made the finals week one and, you know, we, we beat South in week one. And then week two, we went up to Townsville and got absolutely smashed. It was 39-0, we got hammered. And then with James Maloney coming there and then Chad Townsend coming, I thought maybe there's a changing of the guard. I, I think I think there's a chance that we could do something here with this, with this team. And then I remember being there round two, um, 2016 when we played St. George and we beat them 30 to 2 and remember that because Cronulla's always been known to just win ugly and that day we definitely didn't win ugly that day we were just pouring points on and we just we just had this unbelievable attacking flair from everywhere like they just couldn't stop us and I just thought then and there I thought just maybe just maybe this could be it maybe we'll just I wasn't getting my hopes up though obviously <laughs> Mate, obviously, to win a premiership, you need a few young guys to play well above their age and well above their paycheck as well. And you had two guys that played incredible that year. You mentioned them, Jack Bird and Valentine Holmes. I personally don't think you win that comp without those two in that side. 
completely agree, mate. I just thought that right edge just absolutely there was this X factor in bucket loads with those two. And they were both so different as well, which made it really good. So Birdie had that, he had that X factor in regards to he could create something from nothing, but he was as tough as nails as well. And was an unbelievable one-on-one defender. And then Val probably wasn't as tough as Birdie, but again, he could, he, he just had that, that, that flair where he could just score from absolutely nothing. And I haven't seen a winger finish as good as him. He could just get the ball down with like an absolute smidge of room. Those two boys were just, yeah, they were unbelievable for us that year. Before we dive into grand final night, mate, I want to know, in your opinion, who was the unsung hero in that team? Like for me, there's a number of them. I've got Matty Pryor. I've got Ricky Latelli. I've got Chris Hyington coming to mind. Who was the unsung hero for you? Hit the nail on the head there, mate. Matt, Matty Pryor is, yeah. is the unsung hero of that team. He um, He's just one of those players that, uh, goes a little bit unnoticed and it's pretty funny because my partner became a Sharks fan in 2013 and randomly out of the blue sometimes I'll be like can you name the Sharks grand final winning team from 1 to 17 and she can't remember Matt Pryor right and um, just the way he, he carried us in a lot of those games he, he was just yeah he was absolutely unsung hero of that team and it really showed in uh, the first semi-final against the Raiders that year where he just he just he just put us on, on his back and just well, dead set carried us. Mate, you talk about that semi-final against the Raiders. Obviously, that one's remembered for Mick Ennis doing the Viking clap after. <laughs> just fantastic scenes. Run me through that final series. Well, I was pretty fortunate enough to get to the prelim final and the grand final. So I was absolutely stoked there. I remember watching the, the Canberra game at home and... Gal wasn't playing and Way Graham hurt himself about, with about five minutes in. So it, it landed on the shoulders of Kurt Capewell and Matty Pryor and some of those some of those boys that often went unnoticed that year. And we ground out that win. And um, I just remember Mick Hennis still on that Viking club. That was unbelievable. And then after that game, we just we just took a risk. We just said, stuff it, let's pay, let's pay for grand final tickets then and there. And then the following week, obviously, we had to play the winner of the Cowboys and the Broncos game. Those two absolutely bashed themselves. And I thought to myself, thank God for that. That is awesome. And I just remember I was really hoping that the Cowboys would win just because the previous year, the Sharks got flogged up at Townsville. And I thought, that's, that's got to be in the back of their heads here, right? And then when the Cowboys got up, I thought, here we go. I thought, this this destiny here she's like this is destiny and I remember going to that game at the at the SFS or Allianz Stadium and I remember it was 40,000 I'd never been so nervous in my life because obviously the year they'd won 15 in a row just thought if they don't win it this year like when are we going to win it yeah that's what I thought so there was just there was just so much nerves and anxiety and I remember when they ran out it was just so loud and it was one of the most fun games I've ever been to in my life because I turned it on. And I just remember the turn of like when I knew when I thought that they were gonna win that game was when they put the they put a bomb up and I just remember Luke Lewis crunching Lachlan Coot. And then when Val Holmes ran over JT, I thought, We're on here. I thought the boys are on. 
<laughs> Mate, they're one of the all-time greats. Like, when they had momentum, it was just over that Sharks team, wasn't it? They just had high-energy players that if they were on the front foot, it was done. It's over, mate, because they, they had, so obviously, Benny Barber, Jack Bird, Val Holmes, and then you got the young son here as Latelli and Fecky, and then obviously James Maloney's just an out-and-out winner, and Chad Townsend as well. And then that forward pack was just unbelievable. Like, yeah, like for Feeder and Ennis, Matty Pryor, Luke Lewis, Wade Graham, Paul Gallen. That's just that's like an all-time great forward pack right there. So when they had the front foot, there was just no nobody stopping them. Take me to grand final day from the very start. Did you go out to the game? What time did you get there? Tell me everything, mate. Um, all right. So, I so uh, unfortunately we had to work the next day, so there was going to be no big celebrations, which was a little bit of a bummer because one of my mates he, he was he was in it for the long haul, and I was absolutely filthy. But that's all good. Anyway, we we drove our car to Barara train station because we obviously live up the Hunter Valley, and I just remember driving down and they pl- they were they played Eminem's Lose Yourself twice in the car and that's the that's like a G up of G up songs and I was just I was so nervous but so excited because I think the nerves stem from um, my childhood my upbringing of everybody just saying they're never going to win it they're never going to win it and just me thinking they're probably not going to win because we've had some cracking sides and they just couldn't get it done. I thought if they, they don't get it done here, they're never going to get it done. And I remember getting the train into ANZ Stadium and it was absolutely chock-a-block. And I remember going up the escalators from Sydney Olympic Park and there were sharks, balloons everywhere. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It, it felt like a Sharks home game. Yeah. There was, like, say, so obviously there was 83,000 there. Like, about 75,000 of them were Sharks fans. It was crazy. Mate, I was out there, um, too, and it, it, there was just no purple anywhere. It was just mate, blue everywhere. It was insane. It was it, it was unlike anything I've ever experienced before, and I just felt right at home at ANZ Stadium. Like, everybody was just – the emotions that I was feeling – just everybody was feeling. It was just unbelievable. It was it was one of the best nights ever. Hey, it was just oh man, raw emotion to the max. As we get closer and closer to kick off, I imagine the nerves they're getting higher and higher. And I I remember them them flashing to the boys getting off the bus, and when they showed Gal, the whole place just erupted. You just again, mate. I'm a sucker for for any any of this stuff. I just got goosebumps again. Hey. Um, I can still remember, I think it was the Illawarra Cutters or whatever they were, they were in the game prior or something. Yep. And I remember the big screen went to when the Sharks players pulled up and I just remember them getting off the bus and the crowd just went nuts. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. It's just, mate, it's the best ever. That night's obviously remembered for the Cronulla Sharks um, ending that drought, but like, it was such a tough game of football, wasn't it? It was just brutal. Mate, I think the game we played, I think 
that anything less, I don't think we win that game of football. I think our completion rate was like eighty nine percent or something ridiculous. Mate, Cameron and Smith again, made something like seventy two tackles or just something unbelievable. Like I, the Sharks definitely deserve to win, but I'm not sure if Melbourne deserved to lose. Both teams were just sensational. It was absolutely red hot, mate. It was it was. It was one of those games where if you're not a Sharks fan or not a Storm fan, I still think you could sit back and just appreciate how good that game was. I think it was, I think in, in terms of grand finals, I think it's underrated in regards to when people talk about greatest grand finals of all time in regards to just completion rate, skill, toughness, the works. Mate, obviously your first try, you would have absolutely loved it. Paul Gallen peels out of the scrum and he finds Benny Barber back on his inside. One of those... Fantastic scrum plays that we'll just never forget. You must have been excited in that very moment. Well, it was, it was always important for us to get off, get off in the front foot, just just to get the lead. And um, I've seen I've, I've seen Gal in the past do plays like that, and they just haven't come off. Oh, it goes to shit nine times out of ten for poor old Gal. <laughs> but that one, wow, that that just worked. And I remember him. He pushed. He was pushing Chad Townsend out of the way. He was just he was saying, get out of me road. Yeah, and Chad, Chad didn't know it was on, did he? No, he didn't know it was yeah. on. And um, and of all people, you find Benny Barber just just to go straight through that gaping hole. And I just remember when we scored that first try, I felt at ease a little bit, but I was still obviously I was still obviously shitting me ducks, mate. It was just it was it was, it was a rough eighty minutes. But yeah, that was good. It was good to come off of that, that play. And for me, mate, in my opinion. I think the biggest play in the Cronulla Sharks history, and it always will be the biggest play, was Andrew Fafita's try. That must have been special. Well, mate, it's actually funny because when that play happened, so we were we were behind those posts that he scored, probably to the right, so we couldn't see a like we couldn't see it too well. And I just remember Mick Ennis obviously passing the ball, and Fafita getting tackled, and from it. From a from my view, it looked like for a while he was just a bit short, and then I heard the crowd just going bananas, and then I've just lost the plot. I've just gone, hold on, he scored this, he scored it. I've lost the plot, and then obviously when it went up to the video and you could see it a bit more clear cut when he gets that when he when it showed that he got that ball down. Oh, it was honestly as much as I forget. It's 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 easily. I know that you know. I know Ricky Letelli making that tackle was. Huge as well, but Andrew Feeders tries the number one moment in Sharks history. For me, mate, you talked about that tackle by Ricky Latelli. That that last play, I mean, I love watching that replay because you know, the Sharks go to the left, and there's one camera angle at one point where the ball's in the middle of the field, and Cameron Smith's about to throw it out to the left. And in that camera shot, you can see all 13 of the Cronulla Sharks players all in that one shot, and it's only 40% of the field. And they swing all the way to the left and they all swing all the way to the right. It is the biggest desperation play by a team we will ever see, in my opinion. And to be honest with you, mate, like looking back on it, I don't think I'd have it any other way because it's the sharks way, isn't it? <laughs> well, we've had so many times where we've we've sort of fell at the last hurdle, right? And I just remember that minute, that was the longest minute of my life. And I just remember obviously Melbourne had to go 90 metres to score. When Maloney missed that tackle, I think it was on... Was it Vunavalu? Yeah, Vunavalu. Yeah. Cut back in. I just remember the ANZ Stadium just being fever-pitched. 
I had my hands on my head. Couldn't say anything. I couldn't speak. I just remember watching, going, "This, this, this can't happen here. Like this, this, we cannot lose like this. Like of always." And then I just remember them swinging it left, and then the siren sounds, and just every man and their dog was yelling, out, "Just get the bastard! Just tackle the bastard!" And then I remember, I remember Jack Bird on that left hand side tackled. I think it was Ben Hampton. Yep. For, for the storm and it, it looked a little bit high I didn't pull it up and I was like oh and then my hands are on my head again and I just remember I'd never been so anxious nervous sick in my life and when Ricky Latelli got that tackle oh man just just absolute just it was the worst of emotions like I, I'll, I'll never be able to fully explain it I think it was just a mix of relief joy pride everything just that was just that was oh that was unbelievable mate as we said it's one of the most underrated grand finals ever and i think a great sign of a fantastic game is when there can be eight or nine man of the matches luke lewis got that last night uh, on that night and i think he deserved it but geez there was there was a lot of guys on that park i'd even put um cameron smith into the mix too along with about five other sharkies that if they would have got man of the match, I would have said, yep, that's a fair shout. I thought for feeder, I thought Ennis, I thought, you know, there were so many of them that had big games that night, wasn't there? Absolutely, mate. I think you touched on Andrew Feeder. He was probably my Clive Churchill medalist that day, I think. I think if it wasn't um, for off-field stuff, I think Andrew Fafita yeah, gets it. I think so too, because he had that, he was talking about that Kieran Loveridge or whatever at the time. Yep. And um, I, think, I think he gets it. But having said that, I thought Mick Ennis was great. I thought, James Maloney was solid, but another unsung hero in that grand final was Jack Bird. Yeah, just how he pl- how he played with that injury when um Gal landed on his elbow and, and um in a in a tackle, and I just remember like um he played the rest of that game and never let anybody down there. That's that that's right up there with with like Sam Burgess in my opinion. Was there uh, was there tears at full time, mate? Oh, was there what it was um. Honestly, mate, I just I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit this. I, I cried uncontrollably for five minutes. Did not give a bollocks who was around me because I think everybody was feeling that emotion too. And I had people that I didn't even know behind me, to the side of me, in front of me. They're spinning around like giving hugs and everything. It was just it was it was the craziest experience ever. I had my head in my hands. I just I just I could not believe that it was happening when when the song played. It was, <laughs> it was just pure. It was just sheer relief, mate. It was. It just, was. Uh, it was one of those uh, moments that you know it was footy, but it was so much deeper than footy, wasn't it? Absolutely, mate. I just like I think at that point in time, I thought about you know all the all the pain we'd gone through, and just uh, kids at school saying, "Oh, the sharks are shit," and blah blah blah. When I was in high school, and that really affected me, and they were telling me they're never going to win one, and you hear that all the time, and and then the Asada scandal, and then you think you think about them potentially relocating and you're never going to really get to see that. And then for that to happen the way it did, I think it was just very fitting to end that way. Like I, I think during the game, I would have, I would have rathered um, them just to tackle Melbourne, Melbourne get the kick away. We get Bernie Barber or Val Holmes or Saifeki get the ball and they just take the ball out and that's it. That would have been nice. But looking back on it, Honestly, I'm glad it ended that way, mate. I, I still now, when I see that last play, and I watch it on TV, and I 
and I consider the guys that Melbourne had on the park that night, like Vunivalu, they had um they had Marika Korobidi, you know, he's yeah. he's a wallaby winger. They had Munster, they had Smith, who in my opinion is the best Jay, we've ever seen. They just had ability everywhere. And when, when you look at that replay and all 13 of the Sharks are within 20 metres of each other and they were only 20 metres out and they still held them, it defies belief. Like, like like rugby league logic, when you look at that play, you go, any team should score. The Melbourne Storm should score twice here. It's just It just had Cronulla, that gritty, we're going to hang yeah. in longer than you. It was unbelievable. Yeah, so it's really funny because during that year, obviously we had a lot of attacking flair and we sort of went away from um, old school Cronulla of just grinding out ugly wins. And in the moment that we needed it most, <laughs> we, we really had to grind it out. So yeah, it was just super fitting that we, that we won in that way. Mate, it was um, yeah, just a moment I'll never forget. It was, it was unbelievable. Mate, there's obviously a price to pay um, for success and, your team changes a lot over the last few years. Obviously, you had Mick Ennis retire. You had Lukey Lewis retire. You've now had Paul Gallen retire. A lot of guys have left. I mean, Ben Barber's gone. Jack Bird's left. James Maloney's left. Matty Pryor's left. There's only a few guys left from that squad. It's meant that now the Sharks have had to change their identity a little bit, and you can see in their recruitment, and it's one thing that I will credit John Morris with. I think he's done an amazing job. He's gone out and said, you know what? We don't have this. We're going to bash you into corners. We're going to play ugly and win culture. He's gone and got a Sean Johnson. He's gone and got a yeah. Matty Moylan. How, how have you seen the team change? Yeah, so you're obviously the big one for me also is Valentine Holmes. Yeah. Uh, that, that really hurt me because uh, I thought he... I, I was a big fan of him in the lower grades as well and for him to go, it was, it was a bit painful, but... um. Yeah, obviously, with this season, um, we don't have that sort of win ugly um, approach to it. Like we're we're one of the best attacking sides in the comp, but obviously our defence needs a little bit of work still. But um, um, the thing I'm most happiest about in regards to John Morris is often wants we often want to blood our our new young players, and we blood maybe like one or two a year, and we go that's you know, that's awesome. But these group of players have been playing with each other since they were like, like last year and the year before with Newtown. And, and fortunately he's also, he, he's been able to almost blood them all together. Yeah. And they, they've just got to like all they, I feel like this, this, this crop of players, they just need a bit more experience. And I just think if they knuckle down on the D, they could be anything. They, um, yeah, it reminds me a little bit of 2015, like before we won the comp, where we, we still have that mix of old and young heads. We're still trying to just like sort of work ourselves out a little bit. It just might take a little bit of time, but it's coming together, I think. I love the way that John Morris, you know, he's obviously gone for these big bodies. You've got your Fafita, you've got Royce Hunt, you've got Sifa Talakai. They're all able to bump and offload. And then if you're going to play second phase footy, to have guys like Matt Moylan and Sean Johnson... They're a team that come finals footy, you would look at their team and you'd go, you know what? They're not in probably the top six sides on paper, but fuck, I don't want to play them. I don't want them offloading and I don't want Sean Johnson and Matty Moyan playing second phase footy. It's what I love about John Morris that he coaches the team he's got, not the team that he wants. I I completely agree, mate. He uses the skill set he's got and he takes advantage of it. I think it's been fantastic. 
I think I think the Sharks this year are going to be one of those sides where, you know, as you said, they're not a top six team, and I think I, I think I think they've been lucky to have a good draw this year. Like they, they are lucky because obviously they they haven't beaten a top eight side, but they've handled the teams underneath them, which they should be doing. Um, but yet, I don't think the big sides will want to play them. They're like, oh shit, like these blokes are capable of anything on it on their day, and. That's one thing that I've really loved this year is we've always had, we've always struggled with a little bit of size sometimes. So we, we've had like obviously a big, a big man for feeder for a while, but then we've had those more just mobile sort of smaller second rowers where this year with, with Sifa Talakai, Royce Hunt, Andrew Fafita, Toby Rudolph, you know, like we've got these big boppers and these young blokes that honestly they want to rip heads and I'm, I'm loving it. It's been brilliant. And, you know, as I said, they've all got an offload in them and literally during the COVID break, the game changed to suit the Cronulla Sharks as well. It really has just been a perfect storm. I think these, these rule changes have really suited the way that you guys play your second phase footy. It's, it's been fantastic. I completely, I completely agree with you, mate. And with our second phase play, I think that's probably something that, Maybe Toby Rudolph and Royce Hunt could probably do a little bit more of, but yep. they're still doing it. But soon as as soon as that like becomes a major part of their game, these young blokes are capable of anything. Like I truly get that that similar camaraderie that they had in 2015, 2016 with this mob. You can tell they're a close knit team. And I think that's what I love the most about John Morris and his coaching is because he won the uh, under-20s competition, the Toyota Cup. I think he's he's obviously spent a lot of time with these boys and he probably knows the camaraderie they have. So I think that's why he's happy to take this chance and blood a massive bunch of them at once rather than make it a small, smooth transition. So I think John Morris is capable of being as a coach too. I, I, I think he's really underrated. Yeah, mate, two, two, two of the guys he has blooded, and we, we've spoken about them both, but Sifatalakai and Royce Hunt, I mean, Hunt made, made, made his debut for Cronulla, I think it was four years ago, and he hasn't played first grade since. Sifatalakai, he's a mascot boy. I remember watching him grow up being an absolute star. South Sydney didn't want him. Penrith didn't want him. Then the NRL didn't want him, so he went to Newtown, and he's worked his way up from there. And John Morris, it's a good sign of coaching that he's getting the absolute best out of them, and... and on Royce Hunt, I've been watching him for a few years. I honestly think he will be the next Andrew Fafita. At the moment, he's just trying to keep his head above above water with match fitness. When he gets a full preseason and he's playing week-to-week footy, I think he's going to be an absolute star for you guys. I, can't, I couldn't agree more, mate. I, I don't think... Now, I don't think I've loved a player in such a short time as Royce Hunt. About three or four games in... I was cheering him on on the TV like like he'd been playing for us for 300 games. Um, completely agree with you. The thing I love the most about Royce Hunt is I saw a couple of weeks ago, Johnny Morris took him off for whatever reason. He was filthy. Yeah. He, was, he was fuming. He, he threw his mouth guard on the, on the ground. And it's the same with blokes like Ronaldo Mortalo. Um, they just, I think, I think they truly are a bleeding black, white, and blue. And that's what, I think that's what, I think it's what it's all about sometimes. I think, I think sometimes passion overrides skill sometimes. Mate, I think the other thing with the Sharks this year that 
It's a it's very underrated once again. They've got a sneaky amount of depth. I mean, they've got Bryson Goodwin, they've got Nene McDonald that can't make the side in the pack. You know, you've got you everyone forgets you've got Britton Nakora that can't make this team now. And in my opinion, you know, I can't believe he's not playing first grade, but I just think uh Billy Magulius has a huge future and he still can't even get a bait in the side. I don't understand, hey, because I, I think I think Billy Magulius has got a massive future ahead of him. So I don't know why he's been he's been a little bit of a head scratcher as to why he hasn't played as many NRL games as he probably should have. And he seems but, um, to just fit what they're doing perfectly. But I, you know, obviously something's not working with John Morris um, with him. But if you were to have two or three injuries, fuck, you could do so much worse than bringing in Billy, in my opinion. Well, good. I think I think yeah. So if we're injured, obviously we can bring back in Britain Acora. That's massive for us. Um, and even in the like, even in the halves, like that uh, Braden Trindle. Yeah, he's handy. Tom, mate, for, for his first game against the Broncos the other the other night. So obviously he didn't do anything like flashy, but like he was just making all the smart plays. And geez, he tackles, he hits. Like a Mack truck, and he's about eighty kilos. Yeah, so he's, he's got a big future out of him too. He's a good little footballer, and I mean, his name escapes me. Uh, the bloke that replaces Moylan every time, Will Kennedy. Will Kennedy, mate. Every time he comes in, he just does a fantastic job as well. I mean, he's had plenty of opportunities to come in, obviously, with Moyes' injuries. Can I ask you, Moylan? I'm probably his biggest fan in the world. I think he's an absolute star. He just can't keep himself fit. Do you think he has the legs to be able to play fullback anymore? What are your thoughts? I think. Obviously, when Matt Moylan was at the Panthers, he he was touted as the next Lockyer, and yep. I, I mean, at that point in time, you can't really argue. Um, he was he was playing some great footy, but I, I think I think now, like obviously, he's a talented footballer, but I, I just think his confidence might be a little bit down in his hamstring. I just think he's not. I I think in the back of his head, he's probably a little bit worried that the hamstring might might go a little bit and I think that that kind of hinders his game just just a touch yep but you can tell the efforts there I've never I've never said geez he's, he's not trying and sometimes when when a player's trying their guts out and it doesn't come up trumps take that yep. take a player that's trying their guts out and and I can I, I've never been able to knock Matt Moylan for not trying mate I I sort of I look at Sean Johnson this year and He's playing some amazing footy, and I was sort of starting to think, Jesus, it may be time that they need to play Moylan at six, Townsend at seven, and maybe try SJ at fullback just to fit them all on the same team. But I simply don't think you can move Sean Johnson now. I'm not sure how it's all going to work. I I don't know how much long they can keep putting Moylan at fullback. It's He just doesn't seem to ha- have the legs for it anymore. Mate. Speaking of how you said that you're Moylan's biggest fan, I was I was a massive critic of Sean Johnson. Yeah, so was Huge. I. Yep. Oh, last year, I was obviously because it's probably because he's getting paid big bucks, right? So he's, he's getting paid big dollars, and you expect something massive out of him. And obviously, with Sean Johnson, there's moments. There's always been moments of brilliance, and then there's been a few games where he just sort of hasn't showed up. Now, I think people are still. Even though he's been playing some cracking football, there's people that are still a little bit skeptical. And I think the only reason for that is because he's simply not the razzle dazzle player that he once was. Like the people that are, and I was one of those people. I was expecting him to, you know, to play that touch footy style and cutting sides up and stepping 10 players and doing that. But I just think he's got 
just got more of that general feel about him now where he's just leading the team well and he doesn't need to do all that razzle-dazzle flashy stuff. And I just feel like he's taken more of a, let's say modern player, maybe like a, a Cooper Conk sort of role where he's just directing traffic beautifully and setting up plays for others. I think he's taken his game to another level and I'm now one of the biggest Sean Johnson fans because week to week, he's he's proven everybody wrong. He, like Week to week, he's having minimum seven and a half out of ten games at worst. At, at the worst, he's playing seven and a half out of ten. And I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, mate, it's hard to argue with. The, the other guy that... In my opinion, I think he's your most consistent player. He's obviously your captain, and I just... He, he might be the most complete footballer in the NRL as far as being a fantastic defensive player. He's, you know, his hit-ups are fantastic. He's got all the ball skills in the world. He's got a left-foot kicking game that would revi- would rival most halves. Wade Graham, you must absolutely love him. He, uh, obviously, he's my favourite player. It's pretty, it's pretty hard for him not to be. Um, I completely agree with you in regards to him being probably the most complete footballer in the NRL. There was one little issue that I thought um, could could hinder him a bit this year was was taking that leadership role on full time. I just I wasn't sure whether he was that guy to turn to when the chips are down. I didn't I didn't know if he was the voice of that team. I thought maybe Andrew Fafita might be the the voice to that team. Yeah. He certainly proved me wrong in that regard as well. Like in the last few weeks, in those big moments when the Sharks need something, he he he's been that guy that's come up with those with those big plays. And yeah, he's 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 definitely the voice of that team. He's definitely the heart and soul of that club. He's taken over Gal's spot very very well. Mate, there was a few weeks ago Boyd Gordon got injured, and I was sitting there having beers with mates, and I said, oh shit, you know, imagine if he missed the Origin Series, who, who would captain the Blues? And we all sort of went, oh, Jake Chavoyevich. And then then I thought, of, I sort of thought, fuck, A. Graham would not be far away from it now, I don't think. And Freddie would absolutely love him, wouldn't he? Absolutely. I, I, I think, to be honest, I think Wade Graham and Boyd Cordner are on par in regards to who's the better player. Obviously, I think they're just completely different footballers. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, obviously, and both of those boys, you just know what you're going to get out of them week to week. Yeah. Like, they're as safe as houses, the two of them. And look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, Wade Graham with the C next to his name for New South Wales, it wouldn't look out of place at all. He's definitely proven to me that he's an out-and-out leader as well. Mate, you compare him to Boyd Cordner, and obviously Boyd Cordner plays in a star-studded team. Like the Roosters don't need a Wade Graham there. Like a, a Boyd Cordner player suits them perfectly, but the Sharks really need a bit more X factor, like Wade Graham, don't they? He really is perfect for your footy side. Because because we rely a lot on second phase play, and mate. yeah, he's just just what he can offer, mate. Like he he again, he, he's the type of bloke that again will rip someone's head off. So he's got he's got that. He's got great footwork, great ball playing ability, great leadership. He can kick. He can he can literally do anything asked of him. He's he's a f- absolute freak, and yeah, we'd be absolutely lost without him. Steve, it's uh, ten weeks till grand final day. Sharks are sitting about fifth or sixth at the moment. Where do you see them finishing this year? Oh, mate! If, if obviously in my. Uh, 
<laughs> in my one-eyed opinion, I'd like to say premiers, but um, we're going to be real here, mate. I, I, I think I definitely think they can. I think they can get to week two of the finals. I think they can win their first game. Obviously, they probably they still need to beat. They still need to show me that they can beat the top eight side for me to say that they can go any further. In the next six weeks, I think they play two teams outside of the eight. They play the, the Warriors and the Cowboys. And then their other four games, they play Penrith, Newcastle, the Roosters, and the Raiders. So it's, so it's a pretty hard run home. But having said that, if they can string a few wins together, you can beat maybe two of those four sides leading up to the finals. That could give them the confidence to, to make a deep run, I feel. Mate, I, I personally think every year is exactly the same. The team that wins the competition, they tend to have a good injury run. And I think this year it becomes 10 times more important because the reality is most teams aren't having a good injury run. If you guys have your full squad on the park come grand final time, you, like I, I've said since the start of the season, the Sharks are my big smokies. If a bit of luck goes your way, it really could be anything. Not those words, mate. I absolutely love it. You, you're starting to give me a bit of hope now. <laughs> but, um, oh, yeah, I completely agree with you, mate. I think I think at the end of the year, if your side's a little bit fresh, it, it do, definitely does go a long way. And I think the, I think a big thing is is Andrew Fafita's return. Yeah. I I think if he comes back fit, firing and fresh, he could, spur this, he, he could spur this side to a deep run. Absolutely. I mean, we've got similar to 2015 and 2016, We've got X Factor all over the park. Everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's X Factor. So <laughs> I don't see I don't see why we can't. That's the thing. I don't see why we can't. And what you just said prior to me going on, it's given me a little bit more hope that we might be able to string in premiership number two. That'd be beautiful. I'd love that. Mate, hopefully I don't get my window broken with a brick soon if they do manage to tumble out of the finals and you're filthy at me. But, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Fan is short for fanatic, and you are a Sharks fanatic down to the core. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you for coming on and telling your story. Thanks so much for having me on, mate. I really appreciate it. And uh, up, up, Kanoa. Where can people find you on Instagram before you go? It's Steve's Take on League, NRL. And it's the same on Facebook. It's Steve's Take on League, but with a hyphen NRL. All the best this year, mate. Hopefully the Sharkies get up for you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. <laughs>